Lior Samfiru is uh, the employment law specialist, uh, Samfiru Tamarkin LLP, and uh, it's, uh, stlawyers.ca is where you find them on uh, online. And there's also a long-term disability law and personal injury law practiced at stlawyers.ca. It's been a while since I've spoken with Lior Samfiru. Good to have you on the show, Lior. Always a pleasure, Roy. And thank you for taking extra time because we'll include some phone calls from our listeners in the second segment who may have questions about uh, employment issues as they affect them at this particular time. So we'll take calls in a few minutes' time. What do you think of that uh, that suggestion that's come from Germany from the federal labor minister that they are going to look to write into law the right of people to demand to work from home? I like the idea of working from home, and I think that a lot of employers and employees are understanding right now in this situation that, wait a second, we can actually be productive and get work done from home. So I think the new reality is that it's going to be much a much more common thing that we see. Now, I, I don't necessarily like the notion of legislating this and, and requiring an employer to do this. I would rather build in incentives uh, to allow employers to to allow employees to in, uh, to arrange for working from home, so by way of incentives, whether it's through tax breaks or other incentives, rather than than require the employee to make it. Uh, simply, not every business is suited for it, but I think in the future, Roy, we're going to see so many more people working from home. That's inevitable. This uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic really may change the dynamic of so much of our daily lives, including. Employment. Um, Leo, I, I just looking at a story on globalnews.ca written by my colleague Sean O'Shea, and uh, it, it uh, quotes you, um, and it has to do with HBC, Hudson's Bay Company, and more than 90 employees on severance benefits. What's the story here? That's a very unfortunate story. So HBC had uh, enacted, with respect to a number of employees, a pay reduction. Uh, earlier in April, and they made it very clear in writing that we're doing this because we want to keep you employed, Mr. Employee. Therefore, uh, please accept this pay cut. Well, wouldn't you know it, 24 hours after this pay cut comes into play, the, the same employees get laid off. So if that's not bad, here's really the, the clincher. Now the severance that the employer is paying, that HBC is playing, is going to be based on this lower amount, on this pay reduced, uh, on, on the pay reduction. So not only were these, these employees, I say, uh, somewhat lied to, but now HBC is trying to take advantage of this pay reduction by paying them less. So I, I thought that that's a very uh, wrong thing to do on so many levels by, the, by HBC. How does this have the potential to turn out uh, if, if, it, if it does end up going to court, which Probably, I don't know, I shouldn't say, probably shouldn't, won't happen, but how do you see it playing itself out? There's no doubt in my mind that if this had to play out, and, and I really hope that it doesn't, but if it does have to play out, uh, number one, uh, HBC has to do a lot of explaining as to how it can announce a pay cut and 24 hours later terminate the same employees, because if you're, if you're at the time you're implementing a pay cut, you know you're going to terminate the same employees. That's bad faith. But beyond that, the law does make it very clear that when we pay severance to employees, we have to consider them as if they were working their regular job, their regular hours with their regular income. So HBC does not actually have the right to include or, or to base severance based on this reduced salary. They really should have known better here. And I, my hope is that this was some sort of a mistake or crossing of the lines, and this doesn't need to go too far. 
Leor, have the fundamentals of employment law changed at all, or have the lines been blurred at all because of the lockdown and much of the economy uh, being stalled during the pandemic? The reality is that no, and there's almost this assumption that because this is such a unique situation, and clearly it is, that this might or must impact laws. And the reality is that it probably doesn't. And here's what I mean by that. An employer generally does not have the right to make significant changes to the terms of employment. So when I'm talking about significant changes, I'm looking at things like pay reductions, uh, changing of hours, even temporary layoffs. Well, the same thing happens now. Despite the pandemic, an employer doesn't have an inherent right to do that. Now, an employee may be more inclined to allow such changes to happen because they understand that there's uh, an economic reality and they don't necessarily want to be out on the job market looking for work at this time. But in terms of the law, an employee can still treat these types of changes as a termination, what we call a constructive dismissal. So for the most part, the laws, they may be inadequate for a situation like this, but they're still the same. I should point out to our listeners as well that ST Lawyers, uh, you have offices across Canada, so we're not talking about province-specific legislation, like just pointing it at Ontario. They're, obviously, provinces have different regulations, but you're talking in a, in a more broad perspective that, uh, that applies to everybody in the country. Um, Absolutely. What I said now is generally the common law in, in, in Canada Essentially, every province other than Quebec that's slightly different, uh, the laws really are the same, and they have not changed to, to uh, reflect this new pandemic reality we're living with. What are some of the most challenging aspects of the uh, this CERB program, the CERB program? And, 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 and when you look at EI versus CERB, who has access to what uh, and when? Well, probably one of the, the, the most common questions I've been getting for the last month or so is, do I qualify for the CERB? And uh, it, it's a le- legislation that was put together very quickly, and because of that, it's not necessarily the most user-friendly legislation. So the CERB, very briefly, of course, is a benefit that's available to those whose job or, or income has been impacted by the uh, virus. And whereas EI is dependent on you having worked a certain number of hours before you were let go. The CRB does not depend on that. To qualify for the CRB, you have to show that you've either stopped earning income completely or you're earning no more than $1,000 a month, and as well as that you've earned at least $5,000 in the previous year. So regardless of your income level or any other factor, you will get, in those situations, $2,000 a month for up to four months from the federal government. Now, in terms of the most often uh, misunderstood portion of this, is a lot of the people believe that you can get that simply by choosing not to work or maybe being concerned uh, about going into work and that you can also refuse to come back to work if it's more profitable, quote-unquote, to stay at home and get the CERB. Well, this is a benefit that's designed for those who don't have the ability to work, who do, do not have the ability to, work, to earn income, it's not designed to help people who would rather stay home based on a financial decision. And I'm hearing from employers saying, well, we're trying to call back employees to work, but you're telling us, why should I come into work and risk leaving the house when I can just sit at home and get my $2,000? Uh, these individuals not only should not be receiving the CERB, but in fact could be considered by their employer to have resigned so it really is important that individuals inform themselves as to whether or not the CRB is something that they qualify for. 
Just before I take a, a call, Lior, a question about employers' rights. Uh, most small business owners across Canada, in a poll conducted by the CFIB, worry they may not be able to reopen if the lockdown continues past the end of May. And uh, Dan Kelly, the president and CEO of the CFIB, told us yesterday that 5% of small business owners already say they don't expect to be able to reopen at all. What are an employer's rights if they're in extreme financial and business survival situations? So the the best advice to employers is to try to certainly take advantage of the various government uh, programs that may be available, whether it's for rent relief, for wage uh, subsidy, uh, for business loans that the government is guaranteeing for, for certain employers to, uh, to try to bridge them uh, to a point where they're now operating. Now, in terms of employment law, I would urge employers to really be open with their employees about what the situation is and what the expectations are, rather than to try impose, imposing measures on their employees that the employees may not understand, and then the employees may choose to take legal action because they don't necessarily understand where the employer is coming from. So I think being open with employees about measures, what's required and why the employer is doing what it's doing, can help alleviate some of those concerns that an employee may misunderstand and take legal action. All right, let's take a first call here. Susan is calling from Burnaby, British Columbia. Hi, Susan. Hi. Uh, I hope you and yours are well and continue to be. Thank you. Uh, You're so my kind. Question, I have a 26-year-old son who lives with his father, and we encouraged him to stop work um, because his father has a couple of lung conditions, and we were concerned because our son works at a pet store and no social distancing or any other me- measures were in place. So I'm wondering uh, whether that was the right advice to give him and whether he would be able to um, um, get the CERB. That's a great question. In terms of right versus wrong, I mean, I think it goes way beyond employment law, but let me focus on the employment issues here. Ultimately, an employee cannot simply decide not to go to work and get the CRB, even if they have the best reason, as I think your, your son would. Uh, now, that said, if the employer certainly does not allow social distancing, there may be other things that can be done. One of them is what we call a work refusal, which is a formal process that requires the employer either to fix the problem or potentially get a representative from the Ministry of Labor to investigate and actually determine if the work is safe. Short of that, I always advise employees to talk to your employer and perhaps agree that a, a, a layoff may be the best approach here to avoid risking the, uh, the employee's health or the family of the employee. So, but simply deciding, well, I have a good reason, therefore I'm not going into work, number one, you, you would not qualify for the CRB. And the other concern, as I said earlier, is that the employer may choose to treat this absence as a resignation. So discussing it with the employer and trying to agree on something that's mutual, I think is always the best uh, best option. All right, Susan, thank you very much for the call. Uh, great advice. Uh, Max in Calgary, go ahead for Lior Samfiru. Hi. Uh, so my fiancé was uh, temporarily let go back in March, and so she immediately applied for EI. And when, they fin- when she was finally sent her EI check, she got, I think, Four thousand dollars or something like that, which was no, which is nowhere near how much she makes on an everyday basis. And when we looked into it, we're pretty sure she got two thousand separate from her EI. So we think she got the uh, CERB as well. Can she use both, or should she set one aside and not spend it? 
And this is a common question. Given the sheer volume of individuals that have applied, certain things happen that shouldn't happen. Certain mistakes happen on the government side. What should have happened is she should have automatically been transferred into the CRB program and just gotten that. But if she got both, that's not a big deal. A payment is going to have to be returned to the government. And if you look online, CRA has created a website that gives you information as to how to arrange for the overpayment to get to get paid back to the government. So there's nothing to lose sleep over. No one's going to come knocking on your door. But the payment will likely have to be uh, returned. It is a fairly common scenario these days. Max, thank you for the call. And, and the CERB is taxable, isn't it, Lior? Yes, it is taxable, but taxes are not deducted at source, so it is a good advice to put some money aside to pay the inevitable tax bill. Trevor in St. Albert. Alberta, Trevor, what's your question? Yes, uh, I was let go from my position and um, received the CERB. I'm just curious, after the CERB runs out, will I be eligible for EI? So the answer is absolutely yes. So long as you meet the EI criteria, you've worked uh, and uh, had enough insurable earnings. But absolutely, once the CERB runs out, if you're not back at work earning income, you will qualify for your regular EI benefits. Perfect. Thank you so much, and best to you and yours. Thank you. Thank you for the call, Trevor. Appreciate it, and the best to you. Um, Leo, you also have the pocket employment lawyer available, including the severance Severance Bay Calculator. Tell us about that. So it's a tool that we created at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca that allows people to do a number of things, including find out how much severance they're actually owed, to use that as a guide to determine if they're let go or concerned about letting go. It does a number of other things that allows individuals to determine if they've been constructively dismissed, if they're really employees or contractors, uh, and a number of other things as well, just as a guide, because there's so many misconceptions when it comes to employment law. Okay, we have 30 seconds left. What's the most common question that you hear, and what's the answer to that question? The most common question that I hear is, is really about the uh, ability to, to decide not to work when we feel the work is unsafe. And, and that is the number one question. My best advice, as I said, is if the work is truly dangerous, then engage in a work refusal. Otherwise, work with your employer either to allow yourself to work from home, to uh, give yourself uh, an ability to work in an area that's isolated, or perhaps work on a leave of absence. But I don't want anyone to simply say, I'm deciding unilaterally not to go to work. That is the wrong thing to do, despite certain premiers saying that that's what you can do. That is wrong.